You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Pod TST. I'm Kenneth Arthur. This week we're previewing the Rams against the Eagles on Sunday morning uh, in Philadelphia. And with me to chat about the Eagles and the football uh, is Jonathan Harris. And he's an Eagles fan. And that's the best way uh, to put it. Jonathan, am I, am I incorrect? <laughs> no, you're correct. I'm an Eagles fan. That's, that's why I'm here. You're an Eagles fan, but you're also a knowledgeable NFL fan. So you're like me. I think you enjoy uh, every day. A part of your everyday life is enjoying sports. <laughs> sure, I love reading. I love reading about football. I love watching football. I was have a huge Rams fan last Sunday and was uh-huh. pleased to beat the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, so not as uh, much of a Rams fan this week. Well, you know, I don't dislike the Rams. I live in Los Angeles. Um, you know, they're not like my team, even though I've I've lived in L.A. way longer than I ever lived in Philadelphia. But, you know, you're kind of yeah. stuck with what you're stuck with. Um, uh, some years it's great. Some years it feels like you're really stuck with them. But, uh, no, I mean, obviously, I hope the Eagles win on Sunday. I'm yeah, and that's why you're here. To you know, I I want to talk to someone who hopes the Eagles win because that way we can sure, you know, uh, chop it up equally. Uh, and I uh, I guess the first question, first of all, this is something that I like to ask people. Uh, it, is there something football related in the last in this year, maybe, or in the last? couple months or during just now as the season started some a new website or a writer or a podcast anything that you are enjoying a lot right now um you know I've been super I I've just over the last few weeks been digging back into like football writing and podcasts and stuff I haven't had a ton of time um with work and stuff but I really try to keep up with football outsiders content um that is like the website that kind of got me really into analytics some years back um i i shell out a few bucks for their uh almanac every year Uh um so i i i put aside to the fact that aaron Schatz is a patriots fan and i think he gives a really good uh uh, overview and helps me become a a more well-rounded um football fan and I, I started following a lot of writers from that site um yeah. on twitter like uh brian knowles and vincent verhey and rivers mccown and a bunch of these guys who i only know uh, f- uh from football stuff okay. and and from following them about football but uh it, i feel like it's really kind of like opened me up um and made me a more well-rounded fan but it also makes me extremely annoying uh if i'm hanging out watching the game with friends and I'm like, well, actually the, this is, yeah. they rank fifth in defensive DVOA and everyone <laughs> wants to tell me to shut up. Cause no one cares what defensive DVOA is. 
Yeah, I think analytics and advanced stats. Uh, I also, I feel like I've been on, a, again, a similar path as you, longtime uh, reader and fan of Football Outsiders and sites. Number First and foremost, you know, pro football reference is the reason I feel like I can do anything. Uh, and probably a lot of other writers and people too. So like a lot of it is just pro football reference and their play index tools and all this kind of stuff. But uh, Football Outsiders and using DVOA I've used probably almost every day. So it's, yeah. it's something like that. But I do think that uh, as I've done that for a long time, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel I got to the point where it almost had jumped the shark for me because I did start to maybe feel like that well actually guy and then I started looking at the other well actually guys and being like I don't know that I want to be one of those guys <laughs> right now oh yeah uh, I I definitely don't want to be a well actually guy uh, <laughs> at all in fact I quickly learned I'm like oh when I'm watching football it is more fun just to watch I think my mind I, I like I really want to make sense of the world so I'm always looking at like data yeah. this uh, this time of a year or every four years it's horrible because there's all this data about like election stuff and you can really go nuts trying to like predict everything and make sense of the world when we live in a world that doesn't make a lot of sense right now and unpredictable things are constantly happening but I think that's what's really exciting about football is like you can have all the data you can have all the projections um, mm -hmm. and you can say like well this is the right let's say this is the right fourth down decision but what makes football exciting is that decision doesn't go your way 100% of the time. Even if it's a 60-40 thing, yeah. it's a lot of interesting things can happen and you can parse those decisions and debate them. And that's what I really like doing. I, I'm, I rarely comment on websites, but I love scrolling through the mm -hmm. comments on sports blogs and analytics websites because people really can get into it. And it's one of those things where I, I, it's one of the few areas in the world where I can still see both sides where I haven't like put my foot in the ground and I'm unmovable. Um, yeah. For example, if you ask me, is Carson Wentz good or not? Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the few questions I've been reading about and looking into and watching every game for years. And as you, as you know, from what happened last week, we still kind of don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, to, uh, yeah, to drive this into the uh, game at hand here. Um, one of the big analytical arguments is running backs. Do they matter? Uh, if not the number one thing that people sort of focus on. But in your estimation, you know, we find out that Miles Sanders will be back this week, as well as Lane Johnson. Um, these are two players that were not there last week, and the Eagles lost several more due to injury, and it's it's uh, they are in disarray. And we're not sure exactly who will be playing, but those two will be playing. Do you think that, first of all, like, with regards to the Eagles and Doug Peterson's offense, do you think the running back position is an important one and just in general? And do you think that Miles Sanders is a notable upgrade to what you had last week? Uh, I, I think, yeah, the answer is yes on both accounts. I do think uh, the running back matters in, in every offense and Doug Peterson's offense but it matters in like all three phases in running in catching mm -hmm. uh, passes out of the backfield and in blocking. And um, that appeared to be a kind of a big problem uh, for, for Boston Scott and Corey Clement last week um, and Miles Sanders. Uh, so the coaches say improved over the um, course of, of his rookie in terms of blocking. 
Um, so I, I do think it matters. I think Miles Sanders did have um, a, a big role in the passing offense last year. And given some of the struggles that Wentz has had connecting with some of his wide receivers, like relying on running backs and, and tight ends, I do think it's a big deal um, that Miles Sanders is back. And, and certainly Lane Johnson, um, there's a, a lot of debate in the Eagles world this week about who exactly is responsible for uh, the offensive meltdown last week, whether yeah. it was uh, the offensive line being, you know, battered and broken or Carson Wentz holding the ball too long, making errant throws and bad decisions. It's one of those things where it's like a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. Um, the Eagles offensive line, apparently, and I don't have the tweet in front of me, uh, someone uh, said that the Eagles actually had a pretty decent pass block win rate, uh, depending on how much uh, you put into that statistic. Um, but Nicole. that's one of those things where it's like, huh, they had a 66% pass block win rate, which was eighth last week, but I watched the game and it really looked like <laughs> the, uh, the Washington football team was getting a lot of uh, pressure on them. So I think it's right. a little bit of that, a little bit of uh, Wentz. He, he, you know, he knows he's capable of making these big plays, which means he's always holding the, onto the ball for a long time, trying to do it. And uh, eight sacks is, regardless of who's responsible eight sacks is uh is pretty unacceptable especially yeah. when you got uh aaron donald coming up next week yeah it's bad it's uh and sacks have a, a significant impact on the game it's it's really that's why i think too with players like Jadavian Clowney or someone else uh where they're cited for their pressures i do think it's good to have a lot of pressures but i also think it's good to finish a lot of those pressures and turn them into sacks because even um, EPA, you know, estimated points added will tell you that there is a significant difference between a sack and a hit or a hurry, you know. So um, that's something that the Eagles also wanted to do a lot of, but have injuries on that side of the ball as well. Um, did you feel like, first of all, Josh Sweat is a guy who I saw some positive things about this week. Is that a player that uh, I, I'm sure as any, as any draft pick usually is, especially a pass rusher, they remain on the radar and hopeful and there's optimism and this and that. But did you really believe that Josh Sweat would become a good player? And do you now think that he will? I, I do. There's been a lot of buzz around Josh Sweat for a while. Um, last year, uh, you kept hearing stuff about him at training camp coming out. And it's just the Eagles have this rotation of guys coming in and out. And he wasn't able to really make like a huge splash. I don't know what his exact stat line was last year. Um, yeah, it was like but four, I, I, four now. Yeah, uh, but I, I think him being in the rotation uh, is really important, especially, you know, to put some pressure on a guy like Derek Barnett, who's I think in his fourth year. Yeah, mm -hmm. his fourth year now, and he's still looking for that breakout season. Brandon Graham is in the concussion protocol. Uh, right now so we don't know if he's going to play on Sunday but they do have a lot and, and Vinny Curry's injured um, so if there would be a time for Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat to step up this would be the time to do it um, yeah. especially against a very good uh, Rams offensive line. Right now it seems that way Andrew Whitworth appeared to have a good game uh, you know pro football focus said he was the second highest graded player in the league um, behind Aaron Rodgers whatever you want to take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but are you uh, on the, I don't want, I don't want to get us too far off track, but are you on the uh, train of Aaron Rodgers still has it or Aaron Rodgers is washed up? 
So this is, I think, an area where I do think this is an area with like a very nice nuance. There's like nuances to that to that answer, and I don't think that I could have spent probably 2016 to 2018 saying like I was there with saying like, oh look, look at Aaron Rodgers. It's like I'm looking at the yards per attempt and I'm seeing this kind of stuff, and people, other people are too, and, and it's being talked about. And at that point, I, I'm surely like, uh, yeah, his numbers aren't as good. But then uh, around that 2019, it becomes this crescendo, this note that gets hit over and over again by certain people on Twitter. And I think that at that point, you start to look at it and go, yeah, but you're also just, if this is your real opinion of Aaron Rodgers, that based on his advanced stats, he's like the 20th best quarterback in football, then that doesn't tell me that you watch football. That doesn't tell me that you know much about football to think that, because I just don't think that you can watch an Aaron Rodgers play football and just go, yeah, that guy's not that good. <laughs> like he's yeah. really good. And I'm not just talking about like, I don't, you know, it's like whether the Packers win or don't win or if they give him help or not help, you know, it's just like, this guy is good. And he does things that like it's watching Patrick Mahomes. He can do that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. It's one of those, one of those wages of wins thing. Like this guy can do amazing stuff that you don't think very many quarterbacks can do, but is every play, is he helping his team win? And on average, if he's not, you know, that would be the argument. Cause I'm with you. Like I watch a Packers game and unless it's a terrible game, a couple times a day, he does a thing where you're like, well, I, I, you don't see quarterbacks do that very often. Um, yeah. So it's just a matter of one of those things of, and is, is that good enough to get past, you know, what times when he's not throwing deep down the field and when he's missing guys and all that. Yeah. And I mean, and he's also just doing, he's still doing crazy touchdown to interception ratios every year and whether, or not Oh yeah. Always, like, you know, that, it kind of just like a sexy number, but at the same time, is it, you know, if you score a lot and don't turn the ball over a lot, that's about as much as you can ever ask from a quarterback. So that's where I was just thinking to myself, can't the people on the analytics side who want to drive so hard at the EPA and stuff like that also just take a, like, I guess just the middle approach and say, hey, there's like more, maybe there is something else going on here or or whatever it is. But in the same way that I think running backs are discredited because of the players around them and schemes and all this kind of stuff, uh, maybe other players are overcredited without even talking about the, the players that are holding them back or the coaching that is holding them back or whatever it is. Or maybe Aaron Rodgers just obviously wasn't the quarterback that he was before, but he was still pretty good. Uh, and we've seen him, you know, be pretty good so far this season. It's only been one game. Uh, one game, he's been great. One game, he's been great. And, Car you know, you said Carson Wentz wasn't great. And um, the, worst. the worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> last week. But, I mean, by but, the by the numbers, the worst last week. Football Outsiders said one of the 20 worst games ever. Uh, That's what did, they said. <laughs> is that um, – <laughs> Uh, you also talked about the, the Washington defense and the uh, pass rush. And, you know, that's a team that spent four first-round picks on pass rushers in the last four years. They also have Ryan Anderson. They also have Ionatis. They've got 
they could and they also have Ron Rivera, who the Carolina Panthers were second in sacks last year. Just from your estimation, uh, the Eagles offensive line, regardless of pass block win rate, didn't have a good day. And how much of that do you think is like Washington might actually have a really good defense? I think Washington does have a very good front seven. Largely, I mean, uh, we've known that for a little while. We it's been expected to be their one, yeah. Um, you know, huge strength. Um, so so maybe if they start doing this to teams all year, then uh, what what they did to the Eagles' offensive line and to Wentz last week won't look quite as bad. I mean, no matter who you're playing, eight sacks and two yeah. fumbles, two interceptions is pretty bad. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think I think they're very good. I'm not looking forward to chase young terrorizing the eagles quarterback for the next however many years um yeah. i mean knowing how washington runs things three or four and then he's gone um but you know uh they have ryan kerrigan they've got a lot of guys over there who've been who've been good for a while so um i i do think that's a good defensive line i don't think the eagles were prepared for it i don't think what they did to try to shift their offensive line around is good enough and depth is going to be a real issue if we've got um you know a guy who's 38 at left tackle who has missed a couple games each of the last few years even when he's still playing at a high level um the rest of the left side of the line I'm not really worried about with Sayamalu and and Kelsey right guard's a huge issue uh Nate Herbig is still going to be the starter there on Sunday and then hopefully we get Lane Johnson back, which to bring a little bit of stability. He's, he's uh, been solid um, for a while now. So I, I do think Johnson being back, I do think Miles Sanders being back uh, can hopefully bring a little bit of stability. And, but you know, there's also got to be management by Wentz because even if your offensive line's having a really good game, there's only Aaron Donald's going to get through sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you can't really stop that. And so um, whether it's run stuffs, whether it's getting after Wentz, uh, Wentz is going to have to make some better decisions. He's going to have to throw the ball in the dirt or out of bounds uh, instead yeah. of always looking for, for something deep downfield. I mean, I think also on the positive side, at the same time, I look at the Philadelphia Eagles offense and um, there isn't that, it's not that difficult to paint a positive picture when you say, hey, look, they've got Jason Kelsey and Jason Peters. If he, you know, if he starts to, if it was just a bad day, uh, Lane Johnson, they've got Deshaun Jackson, and maybe one day they'll get Ashton, Alshon Jeffrey and Jalen Rieger and uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goder and Miles Sanders and Carson Wentz. So there's certainly. And don't forget JJ Arthega Whiteside. Look, you can't <laughs> forget a guy like that. Did you believe there was any, uh, I mean, I was very closely monitoring every training camp's like overhyped players and JJ Arthago Whiteside was certainly hyped. Uh, maybe not as much as some other guys, but did you believe that he really was going to get better? And maybe he still will. It's one game. You know, I, I need, I really want to see Wentz develop a rapport with some of these wide receivers. He just, I, I think, if it's not working early, he kind of gets in his head and then goes to his security blankets, which mm -hmm. is Ertz and Goddard and maybe Miles Sanders. Um, but it's mostly the tight ends. Like he targets them a lot. Um, we had the one deep shot last week that, that worked to Jalen Rieger. There was another one that was, was overthrown, although it did look like Rieger kind of 
pulled up a little bit on his break, but it, it was wow. not a good pass. Uh, he only hit Deshaun Jackson twice last week and Deshaun Jackson mysteriously only played like 54% of the snaps. I think uh, Peterson says he's going to be more involved this week. He says he's healthy. I, I don't know what that's all about. Maybe just trying to not get him injured, but you got to play the guy at some point. Um, yeah. So when it comes to Arthega White's side, like he was hyped a lot in camp. He apparently had a great training camp, mm-hmm. but uh, Wentz just didn't look his way. So I don't know if that means he's not getting open or Wentz just doesn't have the trust in him yet. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I wish I could answer your question. Like, obviously oh, yeah. I hope he's good, but uh, I, I, I really don't know. I really I don't know I'm if getting, it's. Uh, I think I'm just getting ahead of myself. Cause I'm just very excited that a game happened, you know, like yeah. one week <laughs> happened and I'm just like, Oh, great, great. It's like the whole season has happened. You know, I'm just very yeah, excited. I hate, I, I'll, I'll, I overreact to week one, no matter what. Um, <laughs> and then have to temper my expectations. If the Eagles have a really good week one, I'm like, look, it's just yeah. one week. If they have a really bad week one, I'm just like, Hey, maybe this is, you know, well, yeah. And that's what I was trying. Year. Yeah. Man, that's what I was, I was trying to think of, you know, is that the Eagles do have a good offense on paper, theoretically, um, defensively, they've got a, you know, maybe the closest thing to Aaron Donald in the league at, you know, their defensive tackle spot. And yeah, I feel like Fletcher Cox would get a lot more. He only had two tackles last week, but people would talk about him a lot more if it wasn't for, for what Aaron Donald's been able to do yeah. uh, the last few years. Um, but yeah, they do. They have, they have a really good defensive front themselves. Uh, they, the, the secondary was a huge issue last year. Um, Mm -hmm. for what it's worth, it seems like, uh, Darius Slay kept Terry McLaurin in check last week, uh, yet to be seen. I, I'm always wary, uh, probably because of Namdi Asamoah, Mm -hmm. anytime the Eagles bring in a a cornerback free agent that's supposed to like shut down one side of the field. Um, the, the linebackers are a big, uh, uh, question mark for the Eagles. They haven't really invested in that position lately. Um, you know, Nate Gary's the starter, Duke Riley's getting a lot of time. Um, mm-hmm. Their draft picks aren't really a, a factor yet. So you think that, uh, you know, just because there is some negative thought <laughs> just being bandied <laughs> about, uh, do you think that I feel when I check out Bleeding Green Nation, maybe the, the, the guy who takes the most heat right now is Howie Roseman. Is that how you feel? Um. You know, it's hard to look at the last few drafts and not see some missed opportunities. Uh, our first round pick from last year is injured uh, out for the year now. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's Howie Roseman's fault. Um, but it's been a while since it's like we got a real hit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I don't know what to make of the Jalen Hurts pick right now. I don't know if it's insurance or if it is going to use a second round pick to do some Taysom Hill stuff. I don't think that's a great idea, but yeah, um, you know, it might be a long-term strategy. I'm not calling for uh, Roseman's head the way <laughs> I know a lot of Eagles fans are um, uh-huh. just because, you know, we're, we're, we're less than three years from when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was a roster that 
uh, at least at the time, looked very smart. It, it was a, a move to have Nick Foles in there at as a backup quarterback. That is a, a appears to be a really smart move right now. And I know the Eagles value that position a lot. Um, so uh, I'm I'm not ready to. Um, I don't even have a metaphor, but kick him out of town yet. Um, but right. If we, if we start getting to three, four years of like bust after bust after bust, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's been a while. Yeah. And I mean, uh, we'll see on Jalen Rieger. He's going to get a couple of years at least to mm-hmm. prove himself. And I know that he also had very nice camp reports and he had a 55 yard catch. How I didn't, I don't know if I saw the 55 yard catch. What sort of a 55 yard catch was that? Um, it was just deep down the middle. He it was just a good route. He ran right past his guy. He had a good step on him, and 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 Wentz hit him. It was the most accurate. It was the only accurate deep throw of the day. Um, and you can tell they want to start going deep more often. Like the he had, I think Wentz had the longest, the most yards per attempt of any quarterback uh, <laughs> last mm. week because they kept going back to that deep shot. They just only hit one. Um, they went, uh, he, he just missed, uh, Djax and Rieger on another one. Um, so I know they're going to keep going to it and I know they want that threat to be there cause it's going to open up stuff for Ertz and Goddard to have more yards after catch on their, um, receptions, uh, yeah. which is a big part of it. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I think Rieger's going to get a few years. It's one game, one catch. That catch looks great. <laughs> I was high five and I was high five and my fiance here. Uh, I, I, that's why it's crazy to believe that it was one of the 20th worst games of all time. Cause the first 20 minutes were great. He threw two touchdown passes. He was looking really sharp that's and crazy. then it just fell completely fell apart. I, um, I was also just thinking again about the Jalen hurts pick just because you mentioned it. And it's so, even though it's early, you know, in Jalen hurts career, you know, I'll, I'll always give any player the, you know, I never really liked the second round for quarterbacks is all I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> it can anything Go big or happen. go home. Yeah, well, it's just for some reason the second – first round is obviously first round. And, like, third round, fourth round, you know, maybe you're talking about, you know. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Really high ceiling, or excuse me, high floor backups or... Uh, but second round to me feels like you don't know if he want a high, like a high ceiling guy or, a, you know, to me, it's like, these are the guys that like, that's why I still don't, I never bought into Jimmy Garoppolo just because I said, and who knows, you know, he's gone to the Super Bowl, but I, I was just like, yeah, it was just like, well, that's another thing. Like some people like, I'm not convinced that Jimmy Garoppolo is terrible right now, mm-hmm. but I, I, I know a lot of people are. The thing that gets to me about the Jalen Hurts decision is that you're setting yourself up for a controversy that I, maybe mm-hmm. you want, but let's say Wentz is not great for three or four games. You know, he probably won't be as bad as he was last week, but not great. And then he gets injured. Um, 
So maybe you put Nate Sudfeld in because you don't think Jalen Hurts is ready. But what if you put Hurts in and he's got a couple of games that are impressive and flashy? Mm-hmm. Then you create a situation in Philadelphia where there are a lot of people who are never sold on Wentz, who are still – I'm in an Eagles thread of people who are still like, we should have kept Nick Foles. We should have kept <laughs> Nick Foles. Uh, and what happens if this guy has a couple games with some real flashy highlights – do you want a controversy when you just paid a guy a hundred, whatever million dollars to be your guy? Like it hurts is great. And then it gets it's trade fodder for the future. But like, I won't be convinced unless he's like bad for a couple of years that Carson Wentz is bad just because we've seen mm-hmm. him be really good. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen him be as good consistently as he was in 2017, but like a lot of his numbers, even from the last two years are not that bad. Uh, mm-hmm. the, and then the problem with Wentz comes when it is when you keep making excuses for the guy last year, it's like, well, he had nobody to throw to, which is true, but also you've seen other quarterbacks have nobody to throw to, and then they make them stars. Yeah. Um, so There's it's like, like, I, I just like that, yeah. there's just that difference uh, with Carson Wentz as opposed, you know, who beyond the being, you know, a guy who was very good in 2017 and might have won the MVP, uh, there's, and the 2018-2019, similar in a way to even Aaron Rodgers, because yeah, the, I was surprised when I looked at it, just in the, in the sense that I was surprised when I looked at his stats again, that as bad as last season seemed to go, not only did they make the playoffs, uh, but uh, his his touchdown and interception ratio and his completion percentage, all these normal stats, stats that ten years ago would have been fantastic, and now you know it's not as it's not as good. But then he's it, there are there's there's a huge difference between Carson Wentz as a, as a former top two pick, if he were to become available, say after this season, as opposed to say Marcus Mariota and Jameis and Jameis Winston this year, who didn't draw much interest. Uh, Carson Wentz would be probably still be traded for like a first round pick. I think, you know, he's still got so much going on. I think because of what he's done and the potential and also you're right. The numbers last year were not like brutal. They weren't terrible. Like the, the sense that I had last year was he was making a lot happen without a lot of help Um, that he wasn't in sync with the receivers, but he was like laying it all on the line, doing everything for this team. So after one game, uh, it was a miserable game, but I'm not quite ready to to give up yet. (laughs) It is one of those things though, where it's like, you're always kind of held to where you started. He was the number two overall pick. It's the way that Wentz and Goff, their careers are intertwined. They will always be compared to each other because they Mm -hmm. went one and two. Uh, because these teams are meeting this week, Peterson was asked, Doug Peterson was asked, if Wentz had gone to the Rams at number one, would you have taken Goff with number two? And he's like, yeah, we liked both of them. We were basically going to take whoever was not picked by the Rams. Because of that, uh, they're always going to be connected. And of course, they'll be compared uh, this weekend a bunch by whoever's calling that game. Um, And I think those kind of, those same questions, I think, have already haunted Goff a bunch in his first four years. This is year five for both of them. Um, obviously, uh, Goff's played in a Super Bowl, um, but uh, like when I know there's a lot of people who are down on Goff as well, but I see him in that system, especially 
uh, again last week against the Cowboys, and I'm like, I, I know everyone thinks that McVay has been figured out. I'm like, I think they still got something here. I think they can still like move the ball pretty well. I don't think every team in the league suddenly has this uh, suddenly has this offense figured out. Yeah, and uh, just you know, briefly speaking on some of those matchups because yeah, I was just thinking uh, about trying to put a frame of reference around uh, the week run performances, you know, the Rams went against the Cowboys, the Eagles went against Washington, uh, the football team. And uh, this week it'll be, you know, whatever receivers you guys bring, which should be Deshaun Jackson and, and I assume Rieger and uh, Arthega Whiteside. And they'll be matching up against, you know, uh, the Rams. Jalen Ramsey should be a good uh, – that's a good thing for the Rams, I would think, uh, whoever Jalen Ramsey's got. And then Darius Williams is a guy that uh, has been playing well. Troy Hill is a guy that um, had played well last season. And they had a very tough matchup with the Cowboys last week. They have a lot of receiving talent, of course. Any thoughts on Jalen Ramsey versus the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, that's a really uh, tall order, especially with um, a quarterback who hasn't been finding his his uh, wide receivers over the last uh, couple years as much. Uh, I do think that they're going to probably challenge him early. They're going to want to see what they've got. So if he's matched up on one end against Deshaun Jackson, being like, if he can get a step on him, if they can pull anything during the, during the Eagles game last week, um, the, both, both Washington interceptions came when um, uh, defenders kind of jumped the route and saw where it was going. And then they said, Oh, are the Eagles going to try a double move here to try and counteract that? And of course they didn't. Cause I don't think they <laughs> are confident in their ability to do that. Um, but I, I think we still haven't seen what Rieger can do yet. And I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you're going up against Jalen Ramsey and, uh, I don't know. Is he, is he the undisputed best? Is he just a top three best corner in the league or are, is it considered undisputed? <laughs> I don't um, know he's great. Undisputed. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely disputed. I know that, uh, who else you got Stefan Gilmore and Tredavious White and Slay. Yeah. You know, I think some people, I know that players in the league would put Slay up there and, uh, yeah. I just don't want to jinx it too much by <laughs> saying that Darius Slay will still be good. But yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, see, just seeing more of it. We've had like one week of football, and now that mm-hmm. we've had it, I'm just like itching for more and more and more. Um, but it. I don't know. Does he, yeah. Does oh, he yeah. Uh, match up on one side, or do they move him around? Uh, he's on one side, uh, but at, you know they have a new defensive coordinator, so I may be speaking out of turn here. And uh, okay. The listeners, well, take me to the task for. Then I guess we'll. Uh, I guess I've we'll made. see. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, uh, if I flipped that though, really quickly, um, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, very good players. We can all agree on that. Uh, Van Jefferson, because I was even looking at how the second round fell. It went. It did go Cam Akers and then Jalen Hurts. So the Rams and the Eagles back to back. The Rams obviously passed on Hurts. Uh, but they took Akers, <laughs> uh, and then it's Hurts, AJ Benisa, J.K. Dobbins, who had a very nice opening with uh, the Ravens, Raekwon Davis, defensive tackle to the Dolphins, and then Van Jefferson, the Rams. So uh, that's a player who 
obviously would like to show Philadelphia that they should have picked him this week, maybe. Uh, and maybe. And he had some good plays against the Cowboys last week. Yeah, he had one uh, catch, but he had one near catch uh, that um, would have been a very difficult catch. Uh, it went down yeah. as a drop, I think, but it would have been a very difficult catch. Uh, but yeah, and he also got a lot of really good reports out of training camp. But uh, yeah, I feel. You know, the, those matchups, and again, it's all, you know, there's a lot of quick passing mm-hmm. uh, in the Rams offense, um, and those are some very talented uh, uh, receivers. I, I'm feeling, even after one week, I'm feeling better about the Eagles secondary than I have in a while. It seems like uh, Avante Maddox has kind of solidified himself into one of those corner roles. He's been uh, a bright spot the last few years. Um, Jim Schwartz has said he's, even though he, he hasn't typically done it in the past, he's more open to just like letting Darius Slay shadow the number one uh, guy um, on the opposing team. So maybe we would expect to see him on Woods, but I don't, I don't know exactly how it's going to match up. I think the more curious thing is the the safeties. Uh, Rodney McLeod is playing really well, but moving Jalen Mills into that uh, safety spot is still kind of a question mark. Uh, he had a really good, he was a seventh rounder, but he had a really good rookie year as a corner and then kind of fell off a bit. So they've moved him to safety. Um, but I think those are going to be really interesting matchups to watch uh, Slay and Maddox and whoever they're, whoever they're covering. Um, you know, the problem comes is if they move guys into the slot and the Eagles get caught off guard and then you got, you know, Nate Gary or one of our backup linebackers covering Cooper cup, then, then it's going to be a real problem. Um, before we, uh, or as we wrap up on, uh, this football chat, Jonathan, uh, would you like to pay any compliments a either to the Rams or the city of Los Angeles or bonus, if you have any, the city of St. Louis, uh, <laughs> at this moment. Uh, yeah, I'd like to compliment what looks to be a, a beautiful stadium, uh, SoFi Stadium. Uh, I still don't know exactly what SoFi does, and I'm not going to like purchase any of their – what is it, an app or something? I have no idea. Nobody's um, supposed to know, and, um, It's so beautiful. I almost there – gentrifying the hell out of Inglewood and uh, <laughs> raising property values and pushing people out of their homes. But Hey, uh-huh. you know, uh, it looks like a, it looks like a lovely place to be. I hope uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing once fans are back in there, uh, if the Rams can sell it out and if the chargers can fill up the parking lot uh, <laughs> or whatever, I think it looked embarrassing even when, when the chargers were playing at a soccer field, I think it might look really bad. Uh, once they're inside that massive mm-hmm. stadium, which, by yeah. the way, I was supposed to go to as it opened because um, my fiance and I had tickets to go see Taylor Swift in late ah. July, which was going to be among the first, uh, the, I, I believe, the first show, the, yeah. the first event at SoFi Stadium. So, but that got canceled, obviously, uh, uh, 2020. So I still got I still got those tickets at my Ticketmaster app. So maybe in in 2022 we'll be uh, down there <laughs> watching Taylor Swift. Yeah, uh, unfortunate that that uh, did not open. Well, I guess you know, fortunate the Rams were the first event at uh, SoFi Stadium. So I think they got yeah. what they ultimately should have wanted. So 
Yeah. There you go. Um, finally, you know, I know you're a uh, film major. Is that correct? Yes, I was. Uh, I was a film. I was a film student at film UCLA student. back uh, from two thousand. Well, I graduated in two thousand four. Around the same time, uh, we were probably born, you were born, but born 81? I was 82. Oh, me too. Late 82, late 82. Um, when, wh- when? Let's just do this. <laughs> December 20th. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm September 30, so I got a couple short months on you. <laughs> ah, it's a, a day before my girlfriend's birthday. Oh, uh, awesome. Um, I've been watching, I've been trying to, you know, during quarantine, I've been trying to watch some, um, maybe some quote unquote classics, uh, specifically maybe even stuff that um, I was always afraid of because it was foreign and it felt like uh, this was gonna be a chore, but these movies are actually, I found quite enjoyable a lot of the time. Uh, I've been going through Tarkovsky. Have you watched oh. a lot of his films and what are your thoughts? I've watched several Tarkovsky films. <laughs> uh, some, I, I think some people would consider those uh, kind of hard to get through. They're very dreamlike, uh, not always incredibly linear in their narrative. Uh-huh. Um, I think a real good entry point to Tarkovsky is actually his, he did the original version of Solaris, which I think is from 1972, which is a very bizarre, very <laughs> Russian sci-fi movie. Um, I really recommend that one and then if you really want to dig in deep mirror is one of the it's an incredibly uh, profound but also very confusing um kind of pastiche in and out of sequences and time but it is a, a real kind of, that that's definitely i i think his masterpiece uh so if you haven't gotten to that one yet it's probably on criterion channel I, I finished uh, The Mirror right before we started this podcast, actually. Oh, okay. That's why <laughs> it was on my mind. Um, I'm still uh, of the camp that it is confusing. But... Yes, it's quite confusing. <laughs> but um, I, I, it's, I think it is something that once I finish his movies, or at least what's available to me, the Criterion has uh, five or six uh, of his movies and I that's the like the fifth one and then the only one left is Stalker so uh, I'm excited to check that one out and I wanted to watch them in order to sort of see how a, a director evolves kind of maybe if there is any um, but that was because of the first five or four movies that I saw and knowing like oh like Andre Doblev or uh, Solaris um, it was like okay well I know this guy is really smart and I know this guy is, says stuff that I think is really cool and very profound and, and I want to hear it. So I think this is just something where I have to drop my preconceived notions of a movie and just try and uh, experience it again. Yeah, if you, uh, I, I think a lot of those movies, Nostalgia is kind of like that as well, a stalker and the sacrifice. Like you have to say like, all right, I, I have to just put myself in the frame of mind as of, I'm not going to just sit down and, watch a friday night flick that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that but uh tarkovsky is just a very very specific kind of experience you gotta just sit there let those you gotta like sit with them for a little i think uh and finally do you have like a favorite film school type of director like if i was to say like oh like a film school director the director you fell in love with at film school 
Oh, sure. Um, well, interestingly enough, I did, I, while I was in film school, I did kind of my own film school because I realized there were so many uh, great directors in, you know, the canon that I mm -hmm. was not going to be watching. There was no uh, Kurosawa in the curriculum. There was mm -hmm. no Bergman in the curriculum or Antonioni. So I, uh, on the weekends, I would go to this video store um, in West LA called Cinephile and I would just oh, go yeah. to their director's section and just like rent all kinds of stuff. So the, the first one I really started digging into, and this is probably the same for a lot of um, uh, pretentious film students is Jean-Luc Godard, mm -hmm. um, who had, who was a major director in the French new wave. And he had a run of films from 1959 to I think like 67 or 68, where it's just like 10 masterpieces in a row. So you can go breathless and, uh, My Life to Live and Alphaville and all these movies. Um, but if someone wants to start with the French New Wave and they want something that's maybe a little more or a little more accessible, I'd say go for the work of uh, Francois Truffaut, mm. um, like uh, Jules and Jim and uh, Shoot the Piano Player. Good Rex. I haven't seen uh, most of those. So that's, uh, I appreciate the Rex as well. I've, I've uh, What I had seen of Jean-Luc Godard, I was like, this is, how is this so cool? Like, you know, it's like, oh, this was 50 years ago in another country. Obviously, like, there's coolness about, but it's like, how is this also so, uh, just like, it feels hip, new. It feels like stuff that still pushes the boundaries today in a way. Yeah, and they, the French New Wave guys were just film critics who were fed up with, uh, you know, this is a very, very, the, uh, brief paraphrasing of it but really uh, just like kind of uh thought what america was doing and thought like american like crime movies and noir and stuff was very cool and so they they that's why uh the the main character in breathless is uh you know obsessed with american culture and movies and tries to hold his cigarette like bogart <laughs> and all this stuff um yeah, I think there's still a lot from those movies to to find interesting even today, even though it's so long ago. And it's, it's such a different world now, and we don't really make movies like that anymore. So I'm glad there are things like Criterion Channel and Canopy and, and you know Hoopla with the library and ways to still uh, check those check those movies out if you don't want to shell out forty bucks for the Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, again, good recommendations. I don't. I don't think I've heard of Hoopla, so I'll have to. Uh, that's the library thing. H o o p l a. It's a streaming service, but I think through my LA Public Library card, like I get ten free movies on there a month, and them and I think Canopy with a K have a bunch of old classics, foreign stuff, art films, tons yeah. to dig into. And that's, uh, you remind me too, uh, because of the quarantine and, and the shutdown and all that, I, I rented a video for the first time in like over 10 years. So <laughs> what we video? To, uh, uh, we went to Video Tech in um, Pasadena. Sure. I'd never heard of it or been there. Uh, I wanted to pick up, because I didn't own the room and uh, my girlfriend had <laughs> seen the room. So I was like, well, let's just go see if we can get it somewhere. And we found this place, and then we also uh, rented um, a, uh, I don't know, the guy who did, as tears go by, uh, the guy who did Chungking Express. Oh, Wong Kar Wai. Yeah, so it was a Wong Kar Wai movie. Uh, and there were so many movies, and this is great. Um, 
That, oh, this conversation took a turn from the work of Tarkovsky to the work of Wiseau. Oh yeah, right, exactly. Similar, uh, similar feelings, I think, either way. Um, yeah. Well, thanks again, Jonathan Harris, for coming in and talking Eagles and football and movies and everything else. Is there anything you'd like to say out there to anyone who could be listening? Um, I don't know if any if any Rams fans just really hated me and want to <laughs> dig into me, they can find me on Twitter at Country Caravan. But I I don't have anything to plug at the moment. But thanks for listening, and thanks for having me, Kenny. Yeah, thank you for doing it, uh, and come back again anytime because uh, fun talk, man. So uh, that's it for Pod TST, and that's the that's the end of the podcast. <laughs>